Hey, before we hop into this episode, let's talk about why your website and digital presence isn't working. Now, I know what you're thinking, Michael, we talk all about the websites all the time. You talk about the websites, the website's a hammer, yada, 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 we get it. But for real, though, it's shocking to me how much guesswork still takes place and how it's having a detrimental effect on what opportunities you are able to leverage. Now, over the last decade, especially for the OGDP beers, you know I've poured my soul into assembling a team that cares deeply about the progress of the retail auto industry, that believes in my mission to enrich and empower dealers to perpetually grow. Now I'm making my amazing marketing team accessible to the dealer playbook community so that you can start to thrive rather than merely survive. Right now, we're providing a just-for-you free website diagnostic that will show you exactly what you need to do in a priority sequence so that you can finally get the answers you need. Claim yours by visiting www.flexdealer.com forward slash website audit. That's www.flexdealer.com forward slash website dash audit. Welcome, welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career right here in the retail auto industry. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo, delighted to be joined by Coach Isaac Brown. This dude is crazy when it comes to morning routines, discipline, and accelerating growth. Well, it should come as no surprise, my beloved DPB gang, that human beings you listening? Human beings are creatures of habit. Even not having habits is a habit when you really think about it. Uh, so have you ever heard the saying, success leaves clues? I first realized the depth of that message. Okay, success leaves clues. I first realized the depth of that message as I was overcoming severe suicidal depression. You've all heard about that before. I don't want to dig into it any further. But at the beginning of my 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 path of, you know, life, personal, spiritual, professional development, I noticed I, I learned that success leaves clues. And that led me to observing, studying those who had achieved the things that I was hoping to achieve in life. And guess what? They definitely follow certain patterns. I, I recognize the more I hear the same message from those who have achieved higher levels of success in life that there are definitely patterns. One pattern that I've observed, uh, that I observed early on rather, is that, <clears throat> that, that there is importance in developing a morning routine and routines in all facets of your life, personal, spiritual, career, that will help, um, help us understand that accelerated growth can happen and when I say accelerated, because it can happen faster than you probably ever imagined. Coach Isaac Brown, a former NFL and CFL athlete, is a life coach and trainer for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And we're talking some CFL action for all of those of you listening from across the pond. That's Canadian football. Dare I say the only football being an Albertan, being, being from Canada? I don't know. I don't know if I can go that deep. Not only does this dude have the physique of like the mighty 300. But to me, what I observe from that is it, it's a demonstration of his adoption of healthy habits and routines. 
It's a demonstration of his ability to help others achieve that success because he understands the discipline and leadership by example that is required. And that's exactly why I'm excited to introduce you to Coach Isaac Brown. My man, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited. Bro, I've been scrolling up and down your Instagram and I'm like, if, if only yeah. I could have arms that looked like that. <laughs> Oh, they're not how they used to be. Hey, not how they used you're, to be, you're not how they used to be is my I aspire <laughs> to be. Okay. I yeah. hear you. So, so, but, awesome. but, but the reason I, I kind of pitch you that way, the way that the reason that I, I wanted to put that in the intro is because there's, there's nothing worse than hearing about healthy habits and morning routines and discipline from somebody who's got like Cheeto dust on their t-shirt. Yeah. Dorito dust yeah, on their t-shirt, right? Yeah, and and how can you live it? How can you be a trainer to professional football players if you're sitting there like your belly's hanging out over your pants, your muffin topping it, you're like you're right. not living it. They're they're sitting there running drills, and you got a Wendy's Baconator in your. <laughs> you can't, man. You can't. <laughs> but I want to ask language. you because, like, look, I don't I don't get many professional athletes on the show. So I just got to ask you, I know you probably get this, asked this uh, all the time, but just for the sake of tickling my fancy, what, what is it like being a, a pro, like, you know, working so hard, you, you know, high school, college, all of a sudden NFL, NCFL, like you, you didn't just play in one pro league, you played in two pro leagues. Mm -hmm. Like, what is that like being a professional athlete? Oh, it's uh it's different for everyone. You know, it's, I think it really, your, your personal experience outside of, you know, the way the business is, which is, there's a bit of pressure, always competition, you know, fame, all those things, but your personal experience, it really depends on the, uh, the pedestal that you give that sport in your life, you know, and, and you know, some, some guys that's their identity. And I was one of those guys at a point in time and some guys that's just an expression of their identity and some guys that's all they have, you know, so it, it varies from person to person. But for me, I'll tell you, I had, I played in two different leagues and I had two completely different experiences when I got to the NFL, which was my childhood dream. Who that's any football player. That's what you want to do. You want to get to the NFL. And that was the goal. That's what I wanted. But when I got there, I was not happy. I was not happy, man. It, it, it was, it was not all it was cracked up to be because my experience was not a, a very pleasant one. I, I didn't, I didn't experience what I thought I would. I thought it would be, you get there you're going to be famous. You're making millions of dollars and all these different things. But my experience went like this free agent going into the Atlanta Falcons, not much help from the older guys helping out a young rookie An injury happens and I'm just ready to get out of there. That, that was my NFL experience. Wow. Now, when I got to the, yeah. Now when I got to the CFL, my experience went like this rookie, three hours away from home, you know, in a brand new country that I had never spent 
more than a couple hours in just driving through going to Buffalo to watch my uncle play. Right. But major love and welcoming from the older players. There was no sense of insecurity from the older players in this league. They welcomed me. They taught me the ropes. They basically showed me how to take their job. That was the difference. When I went to the NFL, it was a scarcity mindset amongst the older guys, and there was no help. But when I came to the CFL, it, it was more of a abundance mindset. Even though, no, there's not enough for everybody. Somebody's got to get cut. Right. But they didn't, they didn't approach it like that. They taught me everything I needed to know, and I will never forget that experience. And when I became a vet on the team, that's how I treated rookies coming in, trying to get my job. So that's, that was my experience. And, you know, the fan love and playing in front of thousands of people, that's always amazing. But the things you never forget are the interactions you have with your teammates. Man. And, you know, it, it, it's crazy because I remember years ago, like, I'm a homeboy, you know what I mean? Not Not in the sense yeah. of, like, street, but, like, I like to support the fact that we have our own football league in Canada. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I was in Australia, um, I, I was speaking at an event in Australia. My wife and I went to the South Sydney Rabbitohs rugby game and seeing the pride of like, these people are literally on a, it's not an island. I mean, I, th I think we regard it as a continent now, but they're in the middle of nothing. There is ocean uh -huh. on all sides. And wow. the, the pride of like them just, cheering on their team and it's not big like yeah. the NFL. It's not big like major league baseball. It's not big. Like, you know how everything in the States is so massive, but I love the fact that 25 minutes from my house, there's a stadium and I can go see the Edmonton Eskimos play mm -hmm. a game and feel that energy and that hype. And like, so I love the fact that, that also you're noticing differences going from CFL to NFL uh, or from yeah. NFL to CFL rather. And I was going to say, is that a Canadian thing? But I don't think it is because there's a lot. I mean, you're American. There's lots of Americans playing right. in the Canadian league. So right. what do you think contributes to that difference in mindset and culture? Oh, man. I honestly, I think it's because we're a smaller league and we're a smaller community. Uh, in the NFL, there's 32 teams. Up here, there's, when I played, there was eight. Now there's nine. Um, and it's, it's just a, it's a smaller community. And, you know, it's like real recognized real. I come in, they know the struggle. They know how it was when they were rookies. And, you know, I'm not saying that every NFL team is like that. And again, that was my personal experience. Right. Maybe I just wasn't in the mind frame, but again, that was my experience, you know? And yeah. Well, I mean, there was you know, one, we, there was, yeah, no, go, go ahead. Sorry. There was one guy that did help me out tremendously and he had a connection with me. He, it was lawyer Malloy and lawyer Malloy was a rookie on the new England Patriots while my uncle was a veteran on that team. Isn't that wild? That was in 97 or 98. Wow. So I was 13 years old. And then here I am, 22 years old, on the same team with him, right? Wow. That was crazy. And he was like, I'm going to help you out because, you know, you, I know your uncle and blah, blah, blah. And he, he gave me some advice as far as my injury went. 
you know. But other than that, man, once I got injured, I felt completely alone. I didn't have much wow. support or help, you know. It was a it was a tough time. It was a tough time. All right. So this I, I've got all these thoughts going on in my head and I'm I'm already <laughs> seeing so many parallels to life, spirituality, business, mm-hmm. um, you name it. Obviously, those that are listening are are in the trenches every day trying to build their business. Um, I, you know, the thing that stands out to me is you said getting to the NFL was your dream. And I mean, yeah. anybody can go online and see your college record, your high school record. They can see everything. To, mm. In order to get that good, to even be attracted, like to, to have a league be attracted to you, whether free agent or draft pick or not, you've mm. had to be extremely disciplined your entire life. Was a morning routine something that you adopted early on? Um, or, or like, where was your mindset at? Like, how do you, how do you actually, as a teenager, I, I think about myself as a teenager, I didn't want to do anything, yeah. you, you know, like I just yeah. wanted to, you know, hang out with girls and play my guitar and stuff like that. But like to, to, to show mm-hmm. that level of discipline, is that something you you think you were born with? Is it a muscle you learned to develop? Like, how did that, how did that play out for you? That's something that I definitely developed. Um, and I developed it. And in a, for two reasons, one was for because of passion mm. to to be great, and the other was from doing things I loved. So the passion to be great was obviously you know I wanted to get up early and work out because I felt like no one else was doing that. I felt like I was getting an edge. But before I started getting up early to work out. I didn't start lifting weights until I was 12. But before that, as far as I can remember, I would get up in the morning, at least maybe two or three days a week and go fishing with my grandfather and my father. And we would leave anywhere between five 30 and six 30 AM. And back then that that's super early for a young boy growing up. So getting up in the morning to do something that I loved was it was pretty easy. Now I didn't start consistently getting up and training early in the morning until it was, it was time for me to go to college because before that, you know, I'm in high school, you got to go to school in the morning, all that stuff. And everything else was taken care of it. When, when I needed it for my own motivation, that was when I started to separate myself. I I still remember you know, our workouts in college will be at 6 a.m., sometimes 5 a.m. And I remember getting up early enough so I could walk or or drive over to the stadium and be there before anyone else because I wanted to be there first, number one, as a leader, and I wanted to be alone. I wanted to get in there and get my mind right before anybody else arrived. And those those small muscles that I was working and those skills that I was working, they carry over today, you know, and I didn't even realize what I was doing until now, nowadays in my life. Now I realize that's what I was doing inadvertently, mm. you know? So now it's, it's nothing to get up at 3 a.m. And, you know, I, I don't even <laughs> care, you know, because I know what I, I know what I'm getting up to do. Right. Mm. How do you, actually, uh, 
How do you navigate yeah. that when it's something you don't want to do? So like, think about all these people that are showing up to the J-O-B. How do we yeah. shift that? Like, what do you recommend for shifting it? You, you spoke about passion and I couldn't mm. agree more. I think you need to, like when you have passion, that helps develop drive. And that drive is obviously what's going to, I guess, maybe perhaps give you the encouragement to be disciplined. What about when you hate the J-O-B? Is there a way to find passion to get up and get to it, even if it's, Maybe today something you feel like you don't want to be doing or shouldn't be doing or yeah, whatever the other yeah. excuses might be. Yeah, I find my passion is is that's the vehicle or the passion is actually the 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 fuel for the vehicle. You know, I've I've worked jobs and I did not want to get up. For example, my first two off seasons in the Canadian League. I, I was broke, right? I blew all my NFL money and barely was making anything in the CFL. So when I, in the off season, I had to work two jobs. I worked at GNC and I was a bouncer and I had to train, right? So I'm getting back home at 3 a.m. because I have to close down the bar, but then I have to get up and train in the morning before I go to GNC for work at 8 or 12. Didn't want to do that. I wanted to get up and train and let that be that. But what was the overarching reason? Mm. It was because of what I was shooting and aiming for, you know? So if you're, if you're, you know, on a, on a, a job that you don't want to work, you got to find a bigger reason to get up and show up. And that's just point blank period. There were days that I did not want to get up and show up for workouts but the reason I did it was because I wanted to be a great football player. I wanted to be great, you know? So my, you know, like Ben Newman said, my standard had to override my feelings every single time. Wow. So it's a, you got to find something big to pull you. Like Danelle said, what's going to pull you when things can't push you, Right. Yeah. It, it, you know, I love what you just said. It, it's something that I believe firmly in. And I mean, obviously, Danelle, to add her validation to that whole point, I think is tremendous, um, which is, you know, I, I think I was talking about it on Clubhouse the other day. Like you have to account for failure. I don't plan for it, but I have to account mm -hmm. for it. And perhaps failure yeah. in the moment is knowing that I won't want to get up tomorrow morning. Yeah. Knowing that I won't want to do all those follow-up phone calls or prospect for new customers. I account for it. But to your point, like having a bigger reason why, it's crazy, man. Like if I gave up in the early days of my business because there were I was doing things that I didn't want to do, right? Like I, I call myself Mr. Miyagi sometimes. Not to anybody, but like I was the guy, like when you own a business, you're, you kind of have to, oh, I'm mopping floors today. And then tomorrow I got to fix the toilets. And then I'm going to be on a sales call trying to close down a million dollar contract. And then I'm back to like putting a hinge on the fence and like, you're doing all these things that you don't want to do, but you're right. Like in the back of my mind, I was like, but all of this is a means to an end. And I'm, and so it doesn't matter about what this stuff is right in front of me. It matters about what the end is that I have in my mind. And that, that's mm -hmm. ultimately what made me want to show up every, every day. For sure. So For sure. It's like stoplights, man, on the road. Mm, yeah. You know, you, you, you know where you're going and you know why you're going there, but there are certain laws that you have to 
stop and obey in order to get where you're going, right? And sometimes when we're when we're on our own journey and doing our own things, we don't want to stop and obey the laws. But that's what separates people who get where they want to go and who don't get where they want to go. Man. I love that. I'm I'm letting it sink in here for a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um dang, that's so true. I love that. And that also feeds into then the discipline part of it because you don't get a physique like Isaac Brown by lifting weights once a week. I mean, maybe you do, but it's going to take you 150 years. Um, and so, but you also can't train now other professional athletes, right? Cause you're the, are you the fitness trainer or what are you for the, for the Hamilton Tiger Cats? Yeah, I'm the I'm the head strength coach for the Thai Cats. Now, I can train other athletes in any other league, but in, within our league, anybody that plays on another CFL team, I can't train them. And also, I, I'm the head strength coach for our pro soccer team too. Oh, so anybody, any any other players within the Canadian Premier League, can't train them because I train the the Forge. Right. So I can train NFL players and NBA and NHL. Right. But CFL and CPL. Yeah. You're only locked the down. Tie cats and only the they forwards, got you on yeah. lockdown. Um, that, that's pretty me. cool, though. But, you know, what comes to my mind is, um, you know, as I think about the parallels to sports teams and, and the business teams, um, you know, so you're working with individuals, but you're working ultimately with the team as a whole. How do you how do you cater as a leader, how do you cater the training to the individual so that it's something that will, you know, resonate with them? Because I'm imagining you're having to continually inspire and motivate and encourage. And like, how right. do you do that for the individual, but also map that to the collective of the team? Because ultimately you have to get the whole team to a certain place, right? How, how does that work right. for you? I put it like this. <clears throat> you go to a restaurant, right? And there's how many of, so let's say you order steak and potatoes, right? Steak and potatoes is the general meal, but I like my steak rare. You might like yours well done, mm. right? So I, I, you know, with our guys, I give a general program in season, off season. And from there, I tailor certain movements to each and to, to the individual players for the most part by position is how I usually do it. And then you'll have guys within the position that, that have certain restrictions or, you know, some type of injury they may be coming off of. And that's where you kind of, you give them a, a special order, right? Special yeah. order meal type thing. So yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging, but it, I love the challenge, but because it keeps, it keeps me on my toes, you know, and it's the same with soccer, right? Keeps me on my toes. And I love the fact that, in this role, like, I don't think there's any clearer example of this outside of fitness where, where it would just sound ridiculous in any other context. But if you couldn't catch and also pass back the medicine ball, then you failed as a leader. But yet in business, for some reason, it is entirely okay for leaders to not be able to catch, you know, listen with your business ears to catch and then pass back the, the, the medicine ball. Yeah. Um, so what does that mean? Like, how do you stay disciplined as a leader so that you can lead by example? 
so that your team is never looking at you and being like, yeah, but coach, you're, you're sitting there, mm -hmm. you know, eating a Baconator while we're running drills. Yeah. I, I take the same approach that I took when I was in school as a player. Like, you know, like I said, I would show up early because as a leader, I told everyone else to show up early, right? I would give everything I had in the drills. I would do exactly what the coach said. So therefore, whenever I could, whenever I would see a player talking back to the coach or slacking off or loafing, as we call it, I have credibility that I can go get at his head, right? As a coach, it's the same thing. I am a walking mirror. You know what I'm saying? So I always have to reflect what I'm preaching, you know? And, and a lot of times when I'm, you know, with my guys at the facility, they want to do certain workouts with me. They right. want me to get in on it, throw on the med ball. Right. And, you know, so there's certain, there's certain individual players that they help keep me accountable at all times because when they come in to work out, I know that it's time for me to do something physical with them in their workout. Right. And, and that's another piece that I love about coaching is because it's not just give directions and watch them follow. It's interactive. It's an, it's an actual relationship. It's not a transaction when they come in and out of the gym. It's, it's a, it's a real human interaction where you're doing things with them instead of just barking directions and then watching them do it. You know, you're, you're sweating with them. You're bleeding with them. You know, if, if I could put on a helmet and get on the field with them, I would do that too. But I'm a, I'm a leave that alone. Cause I'm, <laughs> I'm removed from the game. I'm removed, but I'm not removed from the weight room. So that's where I, that's where I participate with them and it drives them even further. Mm. I love your choice of words there, participation. Cause I think so often it's like, Oh, where's the leader? Oh, the leader's up. At, you see that window over there? They sit up in that window over there. And, yeah. and then we work in silos. We don't communicate <laughs> enough and then we're not participating enough. Um, right. You know, we, we've even had an experience on in my company uh, recently where we onboarded a, a, a few new team members that then created more bandwidth for those that had been here a little while, which then ultimately it always trickles back up to me mm -hmm. and it created more bandwidth for me. But then that bandwidth highlighted things that I needed to be doing better as the leader. Yeah. So I'm like, whoa, we're missing. Oh, yeah. crap. So what do I do? My first reaction is not to just start barking orders. Like you said, it's to go, okay, here we go. 100%. Let's get in it. Let's get our hands dirty. And, and so from your experience as both a coach, as a trainer, as a, a life business coach, motivational speaker, I mean, does that, what's your take on the, the whole participation thing? Like how, how often, because I know a lot of leaders are asking this, but how long will I be required to get back into the dirt and roll up my mm -hmm. sleeves and participate? Mm -hmm. I thought I built a I, business in order yeah. to just <clears throat> kind of check, check out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what's your take on that? My take on it is I'll give you, I'll give you two, I'll give you two, I'll give you my, my take on it and I'll give you an example. My take on it is how long will you do it? You'll do it as long as it's important and it's a value to you. That's how long you'll do it. And here is my example. I brag 
on our head coach all the time because he is honestly, he's the best leader that I know walking around right now. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I'm not even going to lie. Right. Um, so here's a small example just last week. So in our gym and he does things like this all the time and it's always, it's just who he is. Right. But it, it rubs off on you. You know, he's not going to walk past a piece of trash on the ground and tell someone to pick it up. He's going to pick it up. Anything that he feels needs to be done. He's going to do it. It, it, He says it's never your job or his job or her job. It's our job. Everyone it's everyone's job. Right. So here's a small example. So in our weight room, I wanted to, you know, create these, these boxes for foot drills with our, with our guys. So instead of having someone come in and paint it and have it being permanent on the ground, I just decided to tape it, measured it off, taped it on the ground, put tape on. Well, throughout the week, the tape gets destroyed a little bit because of the guys, right? I come in and I was going to replace it on Monday. I come in and all the tape is redone. You know, who? it's off season, man. This is the off season. You know who did that? The head coach didn't say anything, didn't tell me I needed to do it. He just did it. And then he left a note on my desk. He says, Ike, your workspace and the weight room is immaculate. Keep doing great work. It's important to him, right? And that's just who he is. And he does that type of thing in every area of our organization. You know, it's, it's important to him. And for me as a leader, now, now I want to do that type of stuff, right? Now I want to go out of my way to just do something that I see needs to be done, not look for whose area it is or who needs to do it. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Just do it because that's going to create culture and other people will start doing it. You know, Jesus was the example, right? He came and the disciples were waiting outside because no one was there to wash, wash their feet. So what did he do? He washed their feet. He didn't go look for someone. No, he said, okay, let me just wash you. You know? It, so he models the example. So, you know, that, what I love about that example. too is like this whole concept of like compounding returns because, yeah. you know, you credit him, right? As the head coach, he's leading by example, mm-hmm. but then you're going to go and impact somebody and they're going to probably credit you or if they do or don't, it doesn't really matter. But if it inspires them to go do good, they're going to go do it for somebody else who, who then for that somebody else, it be, you be, they right. became the source of it. And so you have this never ending domino of That's right. impacting people and it doesn't matter who the instigator was, you know, cause also to your example, you know, like if we pull out just even a little bit and raise the roof on this thing a little bit, we don't know who impacted the head coach for him to want to be that way and who impacted that person. Like it, it goes right. on forever. Right. But, and, and so the point being, especially for those listening, I want to draw the parallel to what, what uh, Isaac's saying here. You don't have to wait for your leader. You don't have to be in the organization and be like, oh, well, I got to wait for the, the business owner to do that. Mm-hmm. You can be the one that starts the, the, the chain effect. You can be the one. And I think what you're saying here is so powerful. 
and what you just said about Jesus. And like, let's be honest here. Like, I'm a believer. You don't have to be a believer. You can believe in the universe. You can believe whatever it is. The one thing you can't deny is Jesus is the most famous person that's ever walked the face of this planet. 3.6 billion books sold. Right. You think that would make him a New York Times bestseller by now. But, but the thing is, you can't deny that A, like perfect parallel, man. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. This brings everything full circle as we wind down the conversation. Jesus had a, had a mission. He was passionate about something. And then he modeled behavior that he wanted other people to follow. And they went about doing good. And look at what's happened. In 2,000 years, look at what's happened. Domino effect. Domino effect. And, <laughs> and you've just brought it full circle right. back to this. So whether it's business, life, spirituality, the importance of setting up routines and healthy habits, remaining disciplined, and then go and be, be, have a positive impact on people. Dude, that's what this podcast is all about. It's not about just how many cars you can sell. You can get that information anywhere. It's about how do I become a better person that can have an impact. And the way that you do that is to be passionate about something, to do what Coach Isaac's talking about and, and see the bigger picture. Have a bigger picture. You think your picture's big now. Blow the lid off of that sucker. You're going to realize you were in a FedEx box inside of a bigger box. Right. And you got to blow the lid off of that box and realize you're in a bigger box. inside of a, It's a Russian nesting doll of boxes that you're in. <laughs> and when you blow the lid off of all of those, then you can really start mapping your actions to habits that are going to, to accelerate your growth, man, this is, I love this conversation, bro. I could, we could, Me I could too. go all day with this one, um, right. you know, because I'm just so passionate about it. I want to thank you so much for spending your time with me. How can those, um, how can those listening get in touch with you and learn more about what you do? Uh, yeah, you can get, you can get in touch with me on Instagram at, at coach Isaac Brown dot, not dot com. Sorry. That's my website, but <laughs> Instagram is, <laughs> at coach isaac brown and then my website is coach isaac brown.com uh on facebook i'm isaac ike brown i put my nickname in the middle um and then you know if you can find me on clubhouse same thing coach yeah. isaac brown so oh man thanks so much for joining me on the podcast thank you thank you i appreciate it Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.